I've been in a series, Then Jesus Said, and I want to continue that today. Uh, I'm sort of still introducing the series. Last time I spoke, I looked at uh, the character of Christ, and I guess because if I'm saying we're going to do a series on Then Jesus Said, if we're going to pay attention to what Jesus said, then there's got to be a reason for that. Like, why would you listen to whatever Jesus said? And uh, I started looking at the character and nature of Christ. Last time we looked at the, the fact that Jesus emptied himself totally on behalf of others. And therefore, I think that we can listen to what he says because we know that he is continuously thinking about our well-being to the point of laying down his life on behalf of others. And I want to I do another one of those kind of introductory topics today. Uh, this is straight out of my journaling. Uh, so I, I journaled a couple of weeks ago. I shared this in, in Life Group. And uh, I was so sorely convicted as I looked at this message. And I thought, I, I just think we all need to assess ourselves in the light of who Jesus is and was. Um, Paul puts it this way, we behold him in the word and then we become like him. And, uh, you know, the fact is in life, at some point for all of us, we're going to face this particular challenge I'm going to talk about today. At some point, we are going to be let down really badly. At some point, from one end of the scale of, you know, just someone saying something that's not very nice, right through to massive betrayal that potentially could alter the course of your life at some point. And for many of us who are sitting here, we've already experienced that. You can say, yeah, well, you're not, you're not being prophetic, Chris. That's a reality. Um, the fact is we will all face that. and We'll all have to deal with the feelings that come with that, the, the, you know, the infuriation, the, the, the frustration of being falsely represented or the injustice of being done the wrong thing by, whether someone forgot you or someone uh, did something intentionally to hurt you, said something, whatever it might be, didn't fail to fulfill a pr promise that you'd really set your heart on. Whatever it might be, we will face this sense of... Um, I've been wronged. But, you know, ironically, um, at some point in our life's journey, every one of us will be that person to someone else as well. Intentionally or unintentionally, we will be the person who lets down or betrays someone else. It might not be intentional, but that's how it will be perceived. And I know that there's probably a lot of people right now that are thinking, yes, I've been there too. I've been, uh, I've been accused of that. I've, I've maybe even made a mistake and I have been that person. And so I think it's not a matter for us of whether this will happen in life, but it's a matter of how do we deal with it when it happens. And so when we look at Jesus, we'll see this on an incredible level. And of course, whenever we're looking at Jesus, we see things on the highest level. Um, and, and I'm not saying that our problems, our injustices, our pressures, our failures, I'm not saying anything, you know, it's, it's never as big as this, but what Jesus went through is an example to us all. And so uh, Jesus said, let these others go, is my thought. 
Jesus said, let these others go. It's in John chapter 18. And if we look at the whole story, and then I want to just look at four verses, but looking at an overview of the whole story, of course, it's the betrayal of Jesus. It's where Judas comes, uh, brings the soldiers, brings the guard to the garden. Um, They find Jesus. They go to arrest Jesus. Peter cuts off a guy's ear. Um, And then Jesus willingly submits and goes with them to what would then become his his abuse, his trial, mockery of a trial, and eventually his crucifixion and death. And so I want to look at this passage and look at how Jesus responds in it because when we're reading the Bible, and I just mentioned journaling, and I'm not sure whether I've mentioned this for a while, but we as a church, I encourage everyone to become a Bible journaler. Use the simple soap principle, scripture, observation, application, and prayer, which by the way, if you do that, that is simply biblical hermeneutics. That is how every preacher begins a message. Scripture. What's it saying to the original people, the original audience, observation? And then application, what does that mean for me today? And all preachers do is then try and help people apply that to their lives. So if you want to, you want to know a preacher's secret, you'll be a Bible journaler. But more than that, we encourage it here at New Hope because we think Christians should be self-feeders. You should actually be a self-feeder. Don't be like the sluggard, Proverbs says, that is too lazy to lift the spoon to his own mouth. We need to be self-feeders where we get into the word. And the simplest way to do it is Bible journaling. The interesting thing with Bible journaling, and I think whenever we read the Bible, is the way to read the Bible correctly is to see yourself in the story. That you're not looking at it objectively like something that just happened to someone who's disconnected from me, but actually, where am I in the story? And sometimes you're the hero. Woohoo! You're David, you know, taking on the giant. Sometimes you're the villain. Uh, But what stood out to me as I read this passage was sometimes you're glaringly absent. Because what you see just isn't you yet. And yet it's in looking at this that we're drawn to be more like Jesus. Surely that's what following Jesus is all about, isn't it? Just being more like him. And John chapter 18, verse 2, and I'm going to be reading from the easy uh, translation of the scriptures, which brings some things out very powerfully, very, very simply. Uh, Verse 2, it says, Judas who sold Jesus to his enemies, knew the garden. He knew the garden. He knew the place because Jesus and his disciples met there often. And as I looked at this passage, it was like this was so premeditated. I love the way the simple version has put it because the premeditation comes out in it. Judas did not betray Jesus because he was a target of opportunity. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a Robin Hood poster with um, 500 denarii under it and he just happened to see him in the crowd. But of course, Judas, being part of Jesus in a circle, he knew the movements, he knew exactly how to betray Jesus when he would be just with a small group of people away from the crowd seeking God for himself. Because remember, a number of times they tried to arrest Jesus and why couldn't they? Because the crowds wouldn't let them. So he had to pick a time 
where Jesus was isolated and he knew exactly the spot and he knew exactly the time. And so there's this incredible intentionality. And, and, and I look at that and I compare myself to that because Jesus went with it. He was not phased by intentional betrayal. And I look at myself in that story and I can't find myself anywhere. Because I just, I find it hard to let unintentional hurt go through to the keeper. Now, I know you're going to think, wow, why are you the preacher? Because I know all of you are saints. You're all manifested sons of God. And you can see yourself clearly in Jesus in this story. I can't. I see myself a little bit more like this. I've got a meme. Memes are fun. I've got a meme where I'm going to show you. I'm a bit more like this. Okay, thank you, Zoe. I tend to take a swing at everything that comes my way. Just like a child, you know, when a child's learning to play cricket or baseball or tennis, any bat and ball sport, they will swing frantically at anything. You know, if you've ever watched little kids playing cricket, like they're there at the crease and the little kid brings the ball down and it's like six feet away, so they will run out of their crease just to hit it. (laughs) And I think sometimes we're a bit the same where we will actually take on stuff, even stuff that's not ours. You know, the hardest offence to deal with is one that's not yours. Because, see, if you you get offended by something that happens, you've actually got grace to forgive. Jesus told you to. He wouldn't tell you to do something you don't have grace to do. But when you take someone else's offence on, there's no grace for that. You're just buying into something that's none of your business. But I find myself so easily running out of my crease to hit a ball that wasn't even sent for me. And in that sense, I see Jesus is so much different. Intentional betrayal. And it didn't phase him. He actually, and I'm not saying we should receive and accept abuse. Of course, it was connected to his mission. But I just look at it and I think, what a contrast between Jesus and me. Man, I need to be more like Jesus. I need to be more like Jesus and not so riled up by sometimes what is often petty because I find myself smarting, replaying the lyrics, rehearsing the hurt. And yet you see Jesus going with it and willingly, like Scripture eventually says, like a sheep to the slaughter. Here's the second thing I see in Jesus that I wish I could see in me. Verse 8, Jesus replied, I have told you already that that is who I am. They'd said, you know, we're after Christ. He said, who are you after? He said, we're after Jesus. He said, I am he. They fell back on the ground like dead men. When they picked themselves up, he says to them, well, I've said that this is who I am. Since it's me that you are looking for, Let these other men go. This is where the title of my message comes from. Let these others go. And this is what I see in it. Jesus shielded others who could have been caught in the crossfire here. 
Imagine that they're in the garden scene. You've got a, an angry mob. You've got the soldiers. They're, they're after Jesus, but more than that, there's a bigger thing afoot. They're after stamping out what is undermining their religious entrenched system of control, which actually includes everyone in the garden who was with Jesus. And, and yet what you see in Jesus is a refusal to bring them into the argument. As a matter of fact, he stands between them. He becomes a shield between them and what he knew would totally destroy them. Jesus could have said, way to go, Peter. Someone else grab a sword. And it all would have ended there. The mission would have ended there. But on another level, he would have brought people into his personal mission, his personal argument that could not ultimately help or affect the outcome. And I look at that and I think, wow, is that me? How easy, what a contrast, how easy it is for me when I've been hurt, when I feel betrayed, when I feel a sense of injustice, how easy is it for me to rally the troops? To talk to people about it. You see it on Facebook if you're a social media person, but you'll see people doing it. You'll see people lobbying. This was done to me. I've had the wrong thing done by me. And I think we can be tempted to do it in our own lives where it's like, I'm just going to tell a friend, then another friend, then another friend, then a workmate, and then it doesn't really matter. Who knows? I want everyone to know something's happened to me and it's so wrong. And friend, it might be. It might be so wrong, but it's so not like Jesus to bring people into your cause when it's the cause of offence because what you're doing is you're bringing them into a graceless zone, a zone where there's no grace for them. There's a lot of grace for you. And I've often seen this over the years. A person who initially gets offended gets over it and the people they pulled into it don't. It stays residual in them because there's not a grace to forgive because you can't forgive something that hasn't been done to you. You can't forgive something that's been done to someone else. They've got to do that. You can only forgive what's been done to you and if nothing's been done to you but you carry the pain of what's been done to someone else, well, then that's yours. And I look at this and I think, man, could I see Jesus? Could I do what Paul says should happen is see Jesus and be transformed into his image to look at what I'm not and long to be who he is. Because I think this is what following Jesus is all about. Even when we don't see ourselves in the story, we should long to be that person. And, And I don't know why we do it. And I'm going to include you in it because I know there's more than one of us. I think there could be more than one. As a matter of fact, I think the one is sitting on this side of the auditorium. No, no. Um, in this row, no. Uh, you know, to, to, to be like him. I, I don't know what makes us do it. I, I think pride is part of it. This, you know, uh, something's been done and I've, I've had the, the wrong thing done by me and... Uh, and I not only need to be right, I need to be seen to be right. 
And so I'm going to tell lots of people and drag them in on this story. But ultimately, you know what I think it is? I think it's a distinct lack of faith. A lack of faith that God is a faithful judge. See, it, later on, interestingly, Peter's right here, Johnny on the spot, cutting ears off, okay? Later on, 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about this situation and he says, who though when he was reviled, did not revile in return, but committed himself to him who judges faithfully. So in other words, Peter saw Jesus go, you know what? I don't need the affirmation of man. I don't need man to tell me I'm right because I know in God's eyes, I know where I stand. And I look at that and I think, man, if only I could live that way. Not needing to defend myself, not needing to pull people into my cause and actually make them cannon fodder for my thinking. But actually trust that, you know what, God, you've got this. This is not very fair. This is not very nice. This is not very just. This is not right. But ultimately, I trust you. I trust you. You doing okay? Okay, and then verse 11. Uh, And I love this. Jesus says to Peter after he, he does a bit of surgery, put your sword away in its place. My father has decided what great pain I must have. And I must obey him immediately. Again, the easy version just puts it a particular way so clearly. Jesus, again, refuses to allow people to intervene. He understood that the Father always has a greater purpose in pain. You know, the book of Hebrews actually says that Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. I mean, what's that mean? He learned obedience. He's the perfect son of God, sinless Lamb of God, you know, learned obedience. Well, what needed to happen for him to actually prove his obedience? He needed to have a great situation where disobedience looked pretty good. And he learned obedience by suffering simply means that he proved obedience totally by what he suffered. But the reason he was able to do it was because he was so confident that God had a bigger purpose in his pain. Now, for Jesus, ultimately, that was our salvation. That was the greater purpose in his pain. But can I just say to each one of us, often the greater purpose, it's not that God does it, but God can use it. And the greater purpose in our pain is the development of our character, where we're no longer this person who's so fragile that we react to everything, take a swing at everything that goes by, pull all our friends in and get them in the mud with us too talking badly with a negative critical attitude and judging people. But when we actually follow the Christ route, the one that he's mapped out for us, something develops in our character. We actually begin to be like Jesus and be like the Father heart of God. And uh, where this lands, this story... uh, just a little bit of retrospective thought. Verse 27, the story goes right through, of course, to Jesus' trial and Peter's denial. In verse 27, Peter denies Jesus for the third time and the rooster crows and, and, and Peter has totally denied Christ three times. 
Yet the amazing thing is, and I guess just retrospectively looking back, we know what happened next. Jesus goes through the cross, is raised from the dead, meets them on the shore of the sea with a fish breakfast and says to Peter three times, do you love me? Three restorations for the three denials and at the same time affirming his leadership. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Affirm that in spite of him running away, in spite of uh, you know him not standing with him in his darkest hour, did initially, then folded and ran, that Jesus didn't hold it against him. He still had a place for him. And I look at that and I think, man, talk about walking through life with a free heart. He could have been so disappointed in Peter and he wasn't. All he wanted to do was get him back to where he always was. And and I think this begs us to ask ourselves some questions just really quickly in applying the message. How do I respond when I feel let down, judged, or even betrayed? How do I respond when I experience those things? Because the fact is, we will. Am I a conduit for negativity or a firewall? With those around me, am I a conduit or am I a firewall? This issue stops with me because it's my issue or I'm happy to share my pain. Do I shield those around me from issues I must face or drag them into the problem? Do I generally energise others to my cause or pour oil on troubled waters? Who am I? And can I find myself in this story? In the difficult seasons of my life, do I trust God is still at work or does my faith rise and fall with circumstance? This is a big one. Is there a situation in my life, past or current, where I need to stop talking and forgive? Need to stop talking and forgive. And lastly, Referring to Peter, how good at I am I at reaffirming those who've let me down? How good am I? Now, now I understand where there's abuses involved, etc. Sometimes that's that's not possible or even wise. But can we just keep it to the general ebb and flow of life? The general ebb and flow of life, where most of us live most of the time. How good am I at reaffirming people who may have let me down? but offering an olive branch and raising them back up to to the place that they need to occupy in my life. Hope you're doing okay. Who wants to be like Jesus? Just a little bit like Jesus. You know, I, I look at the character of Christ as I've studied for this series and it's like, you know what, if everyone was just a little bit more like Jesus, this world would be such a different place. I think God's plan is a good one. It's a really good one. And if if we could just embrace it, man, we would be the salt and light that Jesus talks about. Why don't we stand together? I'm right out of time. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I pray for us. I pray for the grace to be a little bit like Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit within us for all of those who've opened our hearts to you, Father. The, The power of the Holy Spirit. 
to live the Christ life, to live like Jesus did, to react, respond, think, see the way that Jesus did. Help us, help us to be transformed into your image, we pray in Jesus' name. While our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. My friend, maybe your experience hasn't been one of receiving the forgiveness of God. I, I trust this morning's message has shown you just how deep that forgiveness is, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. God's heart is towards you. He loves you. And, and really, you're the only one who, who can keep yourself on the outer with Jesus Christ. If you open your heart, he's more than, more than willing to bring you right into his world, his plan. And, uh, and, and you could do that today if you need to. If you recognize, you know, Chris, I haven't surrendered. I haven't opened my heart yet to Jesus. You can do that right where you sit, friend. Just open your heart right where you are, right where you're standing. You know, in your heart of hearts, you can pray something simple like, Jesus, come into my life and help me to be like you. Help me to follow you. Just open your heart right where you stand. I'm going to ask Robert to come and talk to you a little bit about that. Why don't we thank Pastor Chris this morning?